Well, good morning, everybody, again. Thank you so much for uh, being here with us uh, this morning, for those who are. And uh, for those who are joining online, it's really great to have you uh, week after week after week uh, being with us, and uh, we appreciate you. And uh, online, you should have seen ways that you're able to give online, and so thank you uh, so much for your faithfulness. Um, A couple of things just uh, to uh, kind of acknowledge, uh, because people have asked questions like, uh, last week, Pastor, you weren't here. Why is that, and why does our worship team uh, look very different right now? Uh, one One of the things that we are navigating as a church is trying to figure out the healthiest uh, way to respond when somebody has been exposed to uh, COVID-19, right? And so we know, just like you do in your workplaces, things like that, uh, things will have a tendency to change from week to week. Uh, Like when we find out the day before that somebody has been exposed, we have to make some immediate changes. And so that's been what's been happening here the past couple of weeks uh, with like our worship team. And you might not see other leaders here from time to time. And that's just we want to make sure that you are as safe as possible here at Life Church Utah. And so thank you for your flexibility during this time. And that might mean from time to time that we would shut down a nursery or shut down some other ministries because uh, we want to make sure that we keep you as safe as possible and that our experience here at Life Church is one of those where you're not, not worried about or concerned about whether you're going to be safe here. And so following all the protocols that we can, one of those is, is keeping people away that we know have been exposed and uh, just to make sure that we are as safe as possible. Uh, there's not like COVID-19 running rampant through Life Church. There's nothing like that happening, just so everybody knows. But we are doing our best uh, just to keep everybody as safe as possible during this time. And so uh, thank you for understanding and for working with us and being flexible uh, during this time. So many other churches, by the way, are facing the same thing. Uh, We've been up at a uh, um, just kind of a time away with Convoy of Hope ministry that we have supported for many, many years here at Life Church Utah. We've got some good friends that are in leadership at Convoy of Hope. And uh, they they do, for those who don't know, Convoy of Hope does uh, disaster relief along with feeding uh, feeding children. 300,000 kids a day are fed through uh, Convoy of Hope. So I'm up there with a bunch of other pastors as we're kind of walking through strategies and walking through uh, funding for Convoy of Hope. And uh, many other pastors that I've talked to, this is exactly what they're experiencing as well with churches that open up and the next week they're closed down for two weeks or a month or whatever and then they open up again. It is just a very, very strange time uh, across our culture and then especially for churches because uh, we want to make sure that we're able to worship the Lord. We know we can do that uh, in in our homes, but there's something about us being together that we think is important enough for us to work through and to figure out how to do. So thank you uh, for that. I have a real problem. Anybody have any real problems in your life? I have a real problem. Uh, it has followed me for much of my life. There's this nagging feeling that I've forgotten something. Uh, I preached years ago at uh, Central Bible College my senior, uh, my senior message, and I was so excited, and I was doing a human video. If you don't know what human videos are, you can ask me about it later. Uh, doing a human video and drama and you know, doing a message, and I was so excited and realized at the very end of the entire message that I had forgotten to pull up my zipper. So that's exciting. So... Uh, That tendency to feel like I have lost something shows up in so many different ways uh, in my life. And I have left valuable things in various places of my life. Uh, So much so that, um, and this this is actually in my office, and my wife made this for me, says, keys, wallet, phone. This is my mantra, and I know I shared this, this is my mantra to remember, keys, wallet, phone. It's one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. 
is my wallet is my phone. <laughs> so I have all, everything in my, I mean, it's just great. It's fantastic. But if I forget one thing, I've lost two. But anyway, so keys, wallet, phone. I'm just going to leave that right there to remind everybody about that. But I have left my wallet on top of my car in Minnesota, and a nice Samaritan found it in the middle of a busy intersection on, I think it was 65, up in Blaine, Minnesota, and they called and said, hey, I have something of yours. How nice is that? All the money was not, no, (laughs) he kept everything with it, which is great. Um, I have left my iPad in a rental car. That's exciting trying to get that back. And this one time it was happened uh, not too long ago, and uh, that we were in, I think, in, uh, in Florida. I can't remember for sure. And see, I forgot that too. Uh, and, and I think we were in Florida, and uh, I am running after I got my iPad, running down just in time for them to say, hey, the gate is closing, right? You know, one of those things. So, yeah, I forgot my iPad. Uh, let's see. Um, I left my phone in Israel, I claim it was stolen. But I left my phone in Israel on a tray that got thrown away, I believe. So that's very exciting. So, so yeah, so that happens. And so, therefore, I have this mantra that I do whenever I try to leave somewhere, keys, wallet, phone, keys, wallet, phone, so that I do not forget. And every time that I find those lost things, what happens? There's a rejoicing that happens in my heart. There's a rejoicing that happens in my children's hearts Because they're like, Dad, you lost it again. Nope, I just misplaced it. I did not lose it. I just misplaced it. And my wife uh, and I, with the sheepish smiles, I admit, uh, I did not know where I'd placed something right in that moment. Anybody with me? You've ever lost things on a regular basis, right? So one of you. That is is so good. I'm so happy about that. So today as we end our our series on parables, uh, we're going to close out with, uh, with a parable about lost things. Um, I think of Peter Pan whenever I say the word lost things or, or hook or whatever. Um, and so this is a set of parables that are iconic in the parable world. If you are a, a follower of parables, if there was a, an Instagram profile for parables, these would be the ones that would be right there all the time because they are so iconic. And perhaps the last one that we go through will be the most, uh, most enjoyable of all. Um, so Jesus was sitting down and Jesus tells a parable. And this parable is, is fantastic. So Luke chapter 15, if you have your Bibles or smartphones or whatever, Luke chapter 15 told this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one, oh, we got a sheep right here. Come on, sheep. Come on, sheep. Come on, sheep. Come on, sheep. Let's see if we can get them up here with me. Come on. We have the sheep, right? <laughs> He doesn't bite. At least he didn't bite anybody that we saw earlier. So come up here. Come on. So which of you having 99 sheep? Well, I don't know if that sheep's going to come on up here. We'll see. So which of you having 100 sheep and losing one of them does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost? So here's this one sheep. Hey, buddy, come here. How you doing there? So if you have 100 sheep, and you have 99 of them that are not lost, and there is one that is, what do you do? You go out, and you go find that one, right? That's what you do. Um, and you search, and you search, and you search until you find it. Dude, you need to go on a diet. Holy cow, you are like chowing down, right? And so you go, and you find, you do everything you possibly can to get this sheep, because why? 
because the sheep is lost. And it says this, which is great. And uh, when he, it says, when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. I'm not going to put the sheep on my shoulders. We're not going to see that today, right? And when he comes home, he calls together all of his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. So when I lose my wallet, there's a rejoicing that happens. We don't live in an agrarian society, typically anymore. Oh, come here, buddy. You're not getting, uh, getting away from me yet. Right? We don't live in an agrarian society. And so this whole idea, he's like, it's so funny. He is like cranking on this stuff, right? Some of you are hungry right now thinking, man, I could eat some sheep food. This would be great. So many of the flocks, by the way, that when Jesus was talking, many of the, wow, he is like, this is fantastic, right? Are you good now? Nope, I guess not. Okay. Um, so many of the sheep uh, during Jesus' time, it would be a communal flock. It wouldn't be just one person owning 100 sheep. These, all these sheep would, would be owned by everybody within the village. And they would have this idea, right? You'd have 99 sheep you found. One of the sheep, was it my sheep that was lost? And so the, the shepherds who were in charge of all of these sheep, what would they do? They were responsible, and they said, I cannot leave the one sheep out there. I've got to go find that one sheep because that sheep is not mine. That sheep is my friends. That sheep is my family members. I've got to go find that sheep. You are happy, aren't you? Man, you're a happy sheep. Okay, you want some more. There we go. And it says that there was a rejoicing that happened. Why was there a rejoicing? Because this was communal. This was everybody. Uh, you know, they would gather together when they would see that shepherd coming from a distance with the sheep on his shoulders because the whole community was involved in, in essence in longing for and celebrating that lost sheep being found and brought back home. There's something powerful about finding lost things. Are you still hungry? He's like looking at me, giving me the dirty eye. Wow, he's an angry sheep. <laughs> All right. So you ready to go back into your pen? <laughs> All right, here, let's do this. Let's go, buddy. Come on. He's like, he's like I got something down here. There you go. You want to come down? Yeah, exactly. All right. So if I'm hungry, I'll just dig into this a little like popcorn. I'll just be uh, having that. Let's thank the sheep and the Petersons. Thank you guys so much. So for us, what do we do when we've lost something? In today's world, there's so much throwaway, right, that you just go, I'm going to go buy something different. I'm going to rebuy whatever that is. In this culture of Jesus' time, there's no way for that to happen. And so there's a rejoicing when that lost sheep was found. And I love it. The shepherd, what he says is, rejoice with me. Rejoice with me because I found the sheep. Luke chapter 15, verse 8 through 10 says this, or what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one of them, uh, does not light a lamp, sweep the house. By the way, uh, Palestinian times, or when, when this would have been told, uh, the rooms, uh, the homes were very, very dark. And so it'd be very easy to lose something within the home. They would have maybe one, uh, one window that would uh, shine just a little bit of light through, but everything else was designed to keep that place cool, right? Because it was very, very hot in the area. Excuse me, and so losing something uh, like that would not be uh, completely unusual because it was so dark. And so it says that she would um, search carefully and sweep the house until she finds it. When she's found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. I have a coin here, and uh, the, the coin that is being referred to 
uh, by um, or in this parable is a drachma. Some of you might even have that in your version, say a drachma, ten drachmas. But it's a silver coin that was worth a day's wage. And uh, this coin right here is probably worth uh, at least a day's wage. It's kind of a collector's edition uh, silver coin from South Africa. And uh, it's a day's wage. If I were to lose this, I would do everything possible within my powers uh, to be able to find this again because it's valuable. It has an, it has an inherent value into it. And so if I lose this, so don't, don't try to steal this from me because I will come find it, right? Um, it's a day's wage is what this is, literally a day's wage. And so there's an ownership with this that if I were to lose this, so it's going back in my pocket. <laughs> if I were to lose this, I would do everything I could to go find it. I remember back uh, a number of years ago, <laughs> a number of years ago, have you ever, uh, were you ever hungry and you needed to uh, find enough loose change to go buy something that you were hungry for. Ever been in a situation like that before? I remember years ago, my wife and I, uh, we were at uh, CBC, uh, newlyweds. Uh, we had been married for probably, I don't know, three or four months at this point. And uh, our paychecks were not very large. Most of it went to paying off our school bill and just kind of surviving, literally paycheck to paycheck to paycheck and a little bit less. And you're just feeling that pressure all the time. And uh, we lived in this like little 400 square foot apartment. And it was just a beautiful time to be married when all you have is love, right? And, uh, and I remember we were, you know, we had a little bit of meat left over and we're going to do uh, meatloaf. And so Shelly makes a meatloaf, and into meatloaf goes oats, not these exact oats, but they, you know, at least the way that we make it, you put a little oats in there and kind of fill it out. And as she poured it in there and began mixing it, realized that the oats were filled with like little weevils. So ruining that, that last little bit of meat, and that was literally all that we had left in, uh, in our home. And so what did we start doing? We're like, you know, Taco Bell. 59-cent tacos back then, right? And so we do everything we can. We're digging through the couch. Anybody ever dug through the couch before for change? Uh, we're digging in the car. We're looking around. Pretty soon we had come up with enough, for, I think, for two tacos. Might have been three tacos that we had. We go there, and that literally was all that we had, and we searched diligently because we were hungry, <laughs> right? Well, in this parable, the great thing about this parable is the woman who was searching for the 10 coins uh, it could be, obviously, out of sustenance. She might have been poor, and this, this coin represented something of real value, a uh, real physical value for herself and for her family. But a, another side to this is, is that there was a, an intrinsic value to this that she was um, hunting for uh, because there was a, um, a marriage veil that this possibly could be referring to because in marriage veils back then, some of them had 10 silver coins on the marriage veil. And so it represented something of her relationship with her husband. And to lose one of those 10 coins out of her marriage veil uh, would have been something um, that uh, drove her to this desperation to try to find that coin out of honor for the commitments that she had made. And so in this moment, we have this beautiful picture of someone who lost something of value and trying to find it. And I love it. She says the same sort of thing. Uh, she says, rejoice with me. For I have found what was lost. It's interesting to note that these parables are told in a context. And if you know me, if you've been around long enough, you know that I, I like finding the context uh, for the stories that the, that the Bible is, uh, the, is telling us. Uh, because it's there that we start to find out that the audience uh, that, that was being told these parables is kind of a unique audience. Um, chapter 14 
comes before chapter 15. Not sure you knew that or not, but it does. They, they go sequentially, right? And one thing I've told you, I know I've told you this before, uh, that the chapter divisions and the, and, you know, the verse divisions, in the Bible, those weren't originally there. So in the book of Luke, when, when Luke is writing it, he's not going, okay, this is a good, good place to end this chapter. Let me start over now, chapter 15, verse 1. That came many, many, many uh, centuries later after the originals were written. And sometimes what that does is it wipes out the context for, uh, for some of what we read. And so make sure you always go a little bit before and a little bit after to really get the context of uh, the Word of God. So uh, that's free, by the way. No extra charge for that today on that teaching. So, um, so chapter 14 ends with something very interesting. It ends with this. And Jesus is speaking to the disciples and speaking to large crowds of people that are gathered, gathered together. He says this, let anyone with ears to hear listen. Let anyone with ears to hear listen. Now, that's not uh, necessarily talking about literally and, you know, if you've got ears, that's not what he's talking about. He's, he's looking much deeper for people and saying, if you, if you have what it takes to listen to what I'm saying and to put into action into your life, listen to this. Hear what I'm saying. Hear what I'm saying. You do that as parents, right? Are you listening, kids? Do you really know what I'm saying? We do that, right? And that's what Jesus is talking about here. Are you really listening to what I'm saying? So the question is, uh, does chapter 15 answer who's actually listening to Jesus? And I believe it perhaps does. Um, listen how Luke 15 starts. Remember, right after, anybody who has ears to hear or anybody who has ears to listen, right? Listen to what I'm speaking to you. Chapter 15, verse 1. This is a group of people that we've heard from before. Now all the tax collectors... And sinners were coming near to listen to him. So in other words, it doesn't say that about the Pharisees coming to listen. It doesn't say that about other, it talks about the sinner of sinners. It talks about those who are the furthest away and culturally from, from receiving anything from, from someone who's a righteous individual. These are the ones who are listening to Jesus. Folks, it should challenge us. Who's listening to what we are speaking? Who have we written off and saying they're not listening? The culture had written off the tax collectors and sinners. They are not listening. There's no way they could, they could grasp anything of righteousness. Folks, let's not write anybody off. We can't write anybody off. And the Pharisees and scribes were grumbling, as they always do, saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about a similar situation when Levi, the tax collector, uh, came uh, to be one of the disciples, and everybody was surprised by that. Why in the world would Jesus pick this tax collector to be part of this inner circle? And it says that Levi went out and gathered everybody he knew, which would be tax collectors and sinners, and they had a dinner. Well, this is a very similar situation. It doesn't involve uh, Levi uh, directly with this, uh, but it is the same idea that here Jesus is once again identifying with those who are far away from the Father. So this is the context of these parables. Remember, Jesus is speaking to both, both groups, but who's listening? So he's speaking these parables to tax collectors. He's also speaking these parables to the Pharisees and the scribes who are there with him, grumbling about the fact that sinners are there as well. And at the end of these first parables, I didn't read this for you, but at the end of these first parables, Jesus says something that is powerful. 
because he draws a conclusion to these parables that I think will challenge us as well. Chapter, se- uh, chapter uh, 15, verse 7, and then verse 10. Listen to how Jesus ends these parables. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Verse 10, just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The, the, uh, the, the Pharisees who were listening to this would have been so offended by this because they believed that God did not listen to sinners. They believed that God was far away from the brokenhearted. They believed that God would not accept or welcome anyone who was like these tax collectors and sinners. Yet here's Jesus pointing to the tax collectors and sinners if the Pharisees were actually listening and saying, these are the one sheep that was lost and is now found. These are the coins that have been lost. And the great thing is it says that the the person who's seeking, who is it that's seeking? Who's Jesus drawing into this whole parable? He's drawing the Father into this because the Father is the one who's referring to here that there's rejoicing in heaven. Why? Because it's God himself who is going out and searching for and finding the lost. It's God himself who is tearing apart his home looking for those who are lost. This would have offended the Pharisees. Um... This God who accepts, this God who welcomes, this God who searches, this God who longs, this is so over the top. But Jesus doesn't stop with these two parables because he goes on to tell probably one of the greatest parables of all time, Luke chapter 15, verse 11. And you're going to be familiar, if you've been around the church for any length of time, you're going to be familiar with this. And for those of you maybe watching online, you've never heard this before. Listen carefully. Then Jesus said, and and so Jesus begins another parable. And basically driving this point home about who the Father is and who does does the Father accept, who who does he rejoice with. There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that will belong to me. In other words, uh, Father, uh, it's okay for me to think that you're dead, so I just like my inheritance now. It wasn't unheard of to do this, but it would be uh, a little bit unusual to do that. So the father divided his pro- uh, property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country, and there he squandered his property in dissolute living. Uh, in other words, uh, unrighteous living. He had done everything that he said he wanted to do as a kid. He's like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to do that. <laughs> That's what he did. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout the country. He began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. Uh, Pig feeding was not something uh, that any uh, self-respecting Jewish individual would ever do. Pigs were unclean animals. They wanted nothing to do with them. And uh, was kind of forbidden for interaction with them. And yet here this young man is out feeding the pigs, doing whatever he can to make ends meet. It says in verse 16, he would have gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. It's a pretty destitute moment for him. 
Verse 17, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have bread enough to spare, but here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, he begins rehearsing to himself what he's going to say to his father. Father, I've sinned against heaven, and before you, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father, but while he was still still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran, put his arms around him, and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But I think this is great. The father cuts him off. Basically, you don't need to finish that statement. It doesn't matter to me. But the father said to his slaves, quickly, bring out a robe, the best ones, put it on him. Put a a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Get the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field, and he came and approached the house. He heard music and dancing. He called one of his slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he's, gotten, uh, he's got him uh, back safe and sound. Then he, the older brother, became angry and refused to go in. His father came out, began to plead with him. Notice the father goes to both, goes out to both of them. But he answered his father, listen, for all these years I've been working like a slave for you. And I've never disobeyed your command, and yet you have never given me even a young goat so I might celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours, I didn't even call him his brother, but when the son of yours came back who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And the father said to him, son, you're always with me, and all that, I, all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and has been found. We had to celebrate. We had to celebrate. The point of these parables, and often, especially when we share this one, um, the, the parable of the prodigal son, oftentimes what we focus on is that, that amazing relationship that's revealed of the father who is searching for his son and, and longs to bring him back. And when his son is found, I mean, just that, that longing and that hunger for relationship that the father has. And that's right, and that's a great part of the parable. But if you put this parable in context, what is the point? The point is the celebration that lost have been found. That's the point of all of these. And the context is that the Pharisees are sitting in judgment over those who are far away from God and saying, they are not worthy of the attention of the Father. And yet here's Jesus time and time and time again saying, no, 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 you've got it all backwards. The lost That's where God's heart is, finding lost people. This morning, you are far away, but you're coming to your senses. There are those of you who've gathered maybe this morning here, and, and you feel far away from God, but something in you, you're coming to your senses and realize There's a God who's searching for me and longing for me. There's a God who's hungry for me. Maybe you're online and you just happen to be uh, kind of perusing through online and you ran across this live feed and for some reason you haven't gone on to something else and you sense within yourself that you are lost. There's a brokenness within you and you can't believe that there's a God who would welcome you. I'm here to tell you that there is a God who welcomes you. 
His name is Jesus Christ. He's a God who not only welcomes you, but a God who searches for you. And one of the dangers that we have as a church, any church can face this danger. We are no, no, not exempt from this. It is so easy to be happy and content with this group of people who've gathered, gathered here and these who are gathered online week after week. It is so easy to be able to say, yeah, God, this is a good thing. When there are thousands there are thousands that don't know Jesus are we searching are we the hands and feet of Jesus Christ extended to this broken world are we folks at Life Church we welcome those who are far away from God and, and if we don't God forgive us Online, you are welcome. And you are welcome to come here once you feel safe. You are welcome to gather together because this is a place, I hope and pray, is a place of healing, a place of hope, a place where lost things are found and they find their place in the kingdom of God. Folks, we have to be about that. This is a, this is a new season for us. We have to. We cannot be like the older brother. We cannot be like the Pharisee, casting judgment and aspersion and say, God, you don't welcome them. God, how dare you welcome those who are lost? Folks, we have to be God's hands and feet extended through the relationship we have with Jesus Christ into this dark and broken world. There are a lot of people who don't realize they're lost. And there are some who are watching right now, you don't realize you are lost. But according to what the Word says, we recognize that there's some sheep that are out there. There's some coins that are lost. There's valuable individuals that God has created, made in his image. I believe all humanity created in the image of God, right? And so that image needs to be restored through relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet as we close out this morning. Father, we stand as a people in need. God, we don't have it all figured out, Lord. This is uh, this expression of faith that we do as we gather together. Lord, it is so imperfect. But God, I thank you that for every one of us who are following after you, God, we were that lost coin. God, we were that wayward sheep. Lord, we were the, that, that son who had chosen to go on his own. And God, we were found by you. God, I thank you that your love can defeat human folly. Lord, I thank you that, that your love can defeat that seduction of voices around us, of temptation. And God, I thank you that your love can even fight through that deliberate disobedience that we live in sometimes. And that God, you find us, and Lord, you rejoice over us. So if every head bowed, every eye closed, and if you're online with us, this is a moment of introspection. You realize that you are lost realize that there is something missing in your life and that something is actually is someone, his name is Jesus Christ. Just like these parables that I've shared, he's searching for you, longing for you, longing for relationship with you, and this is your moment to receive him. And it's as simple as just saying, Lord, I recognize that I am lost. I recognize, God, that I am that sheep on wandering on a field far away from my purpose, far away from the good things of life, far away from meaning in my life. God, I feel like that lost coin that's forgotten, that's under some forgotten bench. 
God, I feel like that lost son who has gone on his, on his own. But Jesus, thank you for searching for me and finding me and bringing me new life. And if that's you this morning, I'm going to encourage you, and we've got this on the screen or we've got it here in the, uh, in the building. If you text the word journey to 74574, uh, this will help you in those first steps of this journey that you can take with Jesus Christ. It gives you access to uh, just a, a short series of uh, podcasts that you can listen to and uh, kind of take those first steps. And we would love uh, to join you on that journey as well. And so, Father, we thank you for this day. God, we are grateful for the people of God who have been able to gather together. We're grateful, God, for those who are among us that are lost and broken. God, we know we are not perfect and we are fallible and broken. But Lord, I thank you for your grace and goodness in our life that you accept us and love us. And Lord, thank you for never giving up and for going out and searching the highways and byways to bring us in. Lord, we praise you. We love you this day. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for being here this morning. And uh, we will see you at uh, next week. See you online during the week or at uh, 11, uh, 11 o'clock when we begin about a half an hour. So God bless you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Don't forget, we do have a couple of more signs out there that you can put in your yard. It just says, love your neighbor. Just a small, easy way that you can 